I'm Deirdre Sattarelli, the host of the Repivot Project podcast. On this podcast, we're going to be giving you actionable strategies and tactics as we explore the art and science of change. It's our intention to bring you the brightest minds, the most curious in spirit, and the courageous of heart as we explore the theme of change. Whether you are looking to change things up personally, launch a business, or keep your brand relevant in today's marketplace, our guests will give you the tools to push boundaries and to take risks. And on this path of change that we're all on, we're going to have some fun along the way as well. This podcast will let you join other fellow explorers because we believe that by creating a collective sense of purpose, by sharing tribal wisdom and supporting curiosity, the sum of our community is greater than its parts. you go on a camping trip with your friends, like when you go on a hike, when you go fishing, you know, after skiing, like there's that kind of, you know, moment of revelry after you've, you've worked to do, accomplish whatever that task you set out to do was where you share like a drink with your friends. Here's the recipe for this episode. Take two parts, marketing maven, one part artist, one part former English high school teacher, and add in a very healthy dose of the family business and you have Sarah Fernity, the marketing director at Northwoods Brewing Company located in New Hampshire. Northwoods is one of the fastest growing breweries in New England, and Sarah talks to us about how the path to the family business was definitely not a straight line. So Sarah, welcome to the Repivot Project. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. We're finally getting to talk, talk about one of my happy topics, which is the topic <laughs> of beer, Sarah. There's a lot to talk about with beer, too. Certainly. So you uh, tell me a little bit about your position at Northwoods Brewing. Yes, it's uh, it's kind of constantly evolving. Um, it's my family's business. So when I first came on, um, I was just working part time. Like I do all of our label art. So that was my primary role is to be creating art for our labels. Um, but then I took over our social media. So the marketing aspect kind of creeped in there. And then um, in 2020, I decided to go full-time and my dad's first words to me were, I want you, but you have to design what your role is because this was new territory for us completely. So my primary focus has become um, full-time marketing and planning all of our recreational events at the brewery and then the branding aspect with all the artwork I'm doing. Okay. So what's a typical day? So you and I met at the Cape Netic Center for Wildlife yeah. and your company was actually doing a promotional event, obviously supporting the great efforts that the Center for Wildlife does, but what's like a typical day in your life? So it's funny because I came from a career that was very uh, regimented. Like I, I knew for the most part what every day was going to look like. Um, and with this role, every day is so different. So like I might be spending a day which are kind of my favorite days when I'm home and painting and drawing um, a new label, or I'm at the business and I'm taking tons of photos for our social media and our website. Um, I'm, you know, probably responding to 40 emails a day. I'm like the direct point of contact for people who are reaching out um, about sales, about events, about, um, you know, just any, any type of like fundraising idea. We do a lot of different fundraiser events at the brewery. Um, so that's also a big portion. Um, I'm dealing with my family every single day, which is a really wonderful thing. It was something we had to navigate. Um, cause that was definitely, you know, I didn't think I'd be spending 
my adult life working with my family, it's been the most pleasant surprise. Um, but there was a learning curve that came with it. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of computer time, lots of responding to comments and it, it varies. And then on days like the one where I got to meet you, I'm at a best. And, and that is something I think I, I love about my job is each day is so different that it's not like there's never the groundhog's day feeling is what I'm doing right now. Which is a great, I mean, that's when you know that you love what you do when that's the case. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I feel very fortunate at this point in time. Yeah, so Northwood set, I think it sets itself apart from other breweries in that you feel the experience of beer drinking should take you somewhere. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so the the idea behind our brand, um, you know, we, we are in a town called Northwood, um, but Northwoods is meant more to represent, you know, our, our landscape that surrounds us. My dad is an avid outdoorsman. Um, he, you know, when we were first coming up with the concept of what our logo would be, he, he was very concerned because he's owned a restaurant that's attached to our brewery for over 20 years. And there's some, you know, when you're a family who takes over a business that people are very familiar with, there's this odd responsibility that kind of gets placed on your shoulders of being like almost like a museum keeper. Like you are the history keeper for, for that location, which, you know, is a cool thing, but it's also a challenge sometimes. That's, that can be a burden a bit. Yeah. Cause you want to, you want to, you know, after so much time, it's like you, it's something you want to make your own at the same time. Like you don't want it to continue to be, this like preserved moment in history because you've grown with it. It's grown with you. And, you know, so he was really wanting to kind of um, pay homage to the fact that like our building, our restaurant is like set up in this field in Northwood, New Hampshire. So his original thought was like, we'll do something with a tractor seat as our logo. And I'm like, but that, that's not you. I'm like, we're not farmers, like beautiful location, but like, you know, this is your chance to do something that is just, you and it's not attached to something, you know, that people have so many memories of. Um, and you know, his favorite thing to do in the world is fly fish. And I kind of off the cuff was like, you know, what if we, what if we did something with that? Like in the, in the theme became more about the outdoors and not necessarily like, you know, restricting ourselves to this idea of like, we're in a field here we are, look at us in this red barn. Um, so our director of operations at the time, like kind of ran with that idea of, you know, our connection to the outdoors. And he came up with that tagline beer should take you somewhere. And, you know, the hope of that was, you know, when you go on a camping trip with your friends, like when you go on a hike, when you go fishing, you know, after skiing, like there's that kind of you know, moment of revelry after you've, you've worked to do, accomplish whatever that task you set out to do was where you share like a drink with your friends or, you know, and, and we wanted to be, you know, involved in that kind of moment of calm and serenity after like taking on a challenge or just like to further enhance that experience of connecting and being outdoors. Um, yeah. so we wanted this to be a beer that could accompany you on the adventures you were going on. Well, it's funny. My first experience, which I've not uh, talked to you about, a friend of mine, we're going to visit a friend in New Hampshire and we stopped at Northwoods and we had delicious pizza, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) and really awesome beer. And actually downstairs is a Northwoods brewing glass that we, but we still talk about, we still talk about, to, to your point about the adventure, we were going to visit a friend, but along the way we found this gem. 
Right. And, right. So that was, and you know, that was probably two years ago, three years ago. Maybe. That's so cool. I did not, that makes me so happy. I did not know that. And you're also, your point is, I think, important to entrepreneurs who are considering their brand. You've got to be really intentional about the brand. It's not the, just the logo. The logo almost manifests itself. I think once you've thought about your reason for being. Yeah, I guess it's just, you can limit yourself really easily or get tied into like, a niche so easily. And I, I do not have a marketing background. You know, I went to school for English and art, um, but just in like paying attention to, you know, the places my friends loved or the brands we loved and like what it was we loved about those brands. It seemed important to find something that appealed to a wide variety of people, but there were still niche moments in it. And that's kind of the fun, you know, we've been having with our branding is the first like probably like four beers we put out, like we directly linked to that theme of fishing, but then like we started, you know, opening it up and exploring it to like, okay, well, we're not just fishing. Like we're the outdoors in general. And like, you don't have to be a fisherman or a hunter to appreciate like the brand we're putting out. You just have to be someone who loves our natural surroundings in new England. Right. Which is how you've expanded your following. Yeah. In a really intentional and smart way. Thank you so much. We're trying, we're trying. So it's like, you know, this is, I feel like with this type of business, especially it's like always that, like you're hesitant to ever fully lean into being like, this is, this is going great. Cause it just feels like, you know, things can change so quickly, but like right now I'm, I'm pretty happy with, with how the trajectory of, of our audience has been going. So you've gone through some personal change, right? You, you mentioned you studied English and art. Yeah. Taught it in high yeah. school. At my old high school, actually. Yeah, sure. oh, oh, so there's so, that's like a whole nother episode. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot to unpack, right? There. I know. <laughs> so, and you find yourself in the family business. What's that transition like? I have like, you know, I just, I turned 30 last year. So it was like a major year of kind of like uh, self-reflection. And I have acknowledged and accepted that I'm someone who, I think change is, is just one of the healthiest things people can go through and it's daunting and it's scary, but like you, you're never going to like grow more, or get to know yourself better unless you're placing yourself kind of in unfamiliar territory. And I'm definitely someone who I can feel when like, I've, I've just been kind of grounded too long in something. Um, mm -hmm. and teaching was like, was an amazing experience for me. And I, you know, it was really cool kind of how that transition came about because I had never intended to teach. It was something I kind of accidentally fell into um, because I was subbing at my old high school. I had my English degree. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do yet. And then my headmaster and my like freshman English teacher who were my heroes at that, you know, point in my life. And they're still, I love those two people so much that they both approached me because a senior English teacher was retiring. And, you know, they kind of walked me through like getting certified in an alternate way. And it, it was like kind of insane that, you know, at, at that point in time, when I applied, people weren't as scared of teaching as I think there is now. Like I think teaching, there's been so much change in that field just in the past five years. So it was like that spot was very sought after, you know, they offered it first to someone who had a certification, she turned it down. So it felt very like kismet that I ended up getting that job. And I like knew from the get-go, like, I'm going to see where I feel three years from now. And like, if I'm loving it, then like, this is the path, but like three years came and 
there was almost like, I was talking so much with the kids about, you know, you get to make your life what you want to make it. And this odd, um, envy kind of started to creep in when they would graduate. And I'd be like, Oh, like they're starting this new journey. It's so exciting. By year five, I, I knew like as heartbreaking as it was to be like, I'm leaving this place I've loved for so long. I was ready. Um, because my family had opened the business, my art was kind of taking off and I was just trying to juggle three things that felt impossible to devote equal amounts of attention to. But then after I gave my notice in February of 2020, the pandemic rolled in and timing. A time, and we didn't, so we didn't know what was going to happen in the brewery at that point. So it became this really unsettling decision. And I ended up deciding to stay for one more year. Um, but it ended up being the best year of teaching because I knew I was leaving and I didn't restrict myself in the way I had previously, because I was scared that I wasn't abiding by curriculum requirements or we just, I took care of my kids that year, the way they needed to be taken care of. And I ended on the best note possible. So that's long-winded and I apologize, but it, it was that transition into my new job because I knew, I knew how to teach. Like I felt confident as a teacher. I had no idea what I was doing as far as marketing and all of these things go. So the first like six months when I came onto the brewery, I was excited, but I was also so not confident because I was like, I have to figure this out as I go. Um, But that learning process is something I'm so grateful for because it was like the challenge of let's try this. Let's see what works, what doesn't work. What are people responding to? Like, how do, how do I implement my ideas into what has been my dad's baby for, for so many years now. And, you know, now I'm a year and a half in and those hurdles while they were challenging, I'm so glad I had them because it's made me realize how satisfied and happy I am with the growth that has happened in this position. That's when you know you've made a good choice. Yeah, absolutely. Like it just feels it's, it's, I don't have one regret about making the choice that I did. And one of the things that you love to do in the family business is paint the labels for the beer cans how that even because I know you studied art but how did that go from that to let's do labels you know I everyone I think needs like and that you know that again ties into our theme with Northwoods like everyone needs that you know activity that is just total zen for them that like takes them out of you know everything else that's going on and they can kind of get lost in it and have that reprieve from everything else that's happening um so my first year teaching was incredibly stressful because I'm like, I didn't have that internship year. Like I had subbed and now I had my full program and I was like, Oh my God, just like overwhelmed. So I was coming home every night and painting was my way of, of decompressing. I had always loved drawing and, you know, I never really thought it was going to go beyond like, you know, just having sketchbooks full of stuff. But then one of my friends at the school saw my work and she encouraged me to try and sell it. And so then I started an Etsy business. And so my, you know, my parents, like it was kind of cool, I think for them to watch because, you know, I think a lot of parents who have kids who love art, it's like, well, what are they, you know, what can they do with this? Like right. what they can do with it, but how do you get into it? Um, and, you know, I'm inspired by my parents who have a business. I was like, you know, even if it's a small storefront online, it's still something It gained some cool traction. And, you know, I was practicing it so much every day. Like it kind of makes me laugh because people will be like, 
oh, I wish I could draw. And I'm like, I couldn't draw when I started. I'm like, it's, it's like anything else. Like you, you practice and mm-hmm. you know, it, it, you know, it develops over time. So those like, you know, years of teaching where I was drawing so much, I really feel like my skill set grew and it got to a place where my dad, like, cause you know, he was always like, yeah, it's really good. But then it got to a point where he's like, this is, this is really, he's like, I love what you're doing. And he asked me to try drawing a logo for him. And he liked it. And, you know, I, I respect my dad a lot in the sense that like, he's always been that parent who like he and my mom, like encourage you to like give everything your best shot, but it's not this, like, they're not going to tell you you're doing well at something. If you're not doing well at it, mm-hmm. like they'll be encouraging, but they're not going to like, you know, a healthy encouragement. Yeah. Not. Yeah, exactly. So I know like he is someone it's not nepotism. Like if he didn't feel like my art fit the bill for what he wanted, he would have gone with someone else. Um, so that kind of in itself felt like a major success when he was like, do you want to try doing some label work for us? Um, and, and that was a fun new chapter because me and him for the first time were kind of working creatively together, like spitting ideas back and forth, which was entertaining. I'm sure for my mom at some points because conversation got heated a few times, but, but it's, it's just, it's kind of, it's still very surreal, like, cause you know, we're distributing now in most of new England and then a few other States. So it's kind of like a, a little bit of a baffling moment for me every time I realize, like, this is, this is cool. Like there's cans with my art, which means a lot to me, like on shelves in, in, you know, Montana right now. And that's just kind of a wild. That's very cool. And for, you don't even have to be a beer drinker to appreciate your art is actually stunning. So <laughs> so if you, if you were to give a, a graduate level course on family business, yes. say you, you were going to make one visit to a classroom, what lesson might Sarah want to talk about? Communication. There's nothing natural about, you know, being with your, your family outside of work and then all of a sudden you're in a work environment and you have right. to switch into, okay, like I can't, you know, if, if they don't like this, I can't take it personally or like be offended. Like, how do we talk so that it's like, instead of like, you know, Sarah and dad, it's Sarah and Jeff or like, you know, my mom works there too. So and my brother, so it's like the four of us, it was, I think, you know, my parents were both super excited when my brother and I expressed interest in coming on. Um, but that was, I think one of the things we kind of overlooked is that like, this is like, this is not the family dinner table when we're here. Uh, This is like, we have a lot to figure out and we have to figure out how we talk here versus how we talk at home, like communicating more about like my, I think my brother and I, we got it a lot faster, um, because I'm his older sister. So it was like, you know, he, he pulled me aside one day and he's like, sometimes you talk to me like I'm your little brother. And I'm like, I'm not meaning to do that. I'm like, right. it just happens. And, and we've gotten to a great point now where it's like, if we, you know, if we shift gears too quickly, we have that conversation, say what bothered us and we, we work on addressing it and making sure those things don't happen going forward. And that's really healthy. It, it's re- I think it's, I think it's really helped yeah. So not just like, and even not just for work, but just like as a family in general, like we know how to talk things through a bit better now. So definitely, and not getting frustrated because it's not something you figure out in five minutes. Like I would say the communication end of things probably took like a good six months for us to 
understand how to not like just be family, but how to work with each other in a very productive way. And, you know, the work dimension is really important. We're obviously coming up to Thanksgiving in a few weeks. You also want to make room at the family dinner table for family talk and not have it be about supply chain issue or, you know, a vendor issue of some sort. So that's really a healthy thing to do. It's so, and, and you make a great point there because that was, you know, something my mom and I ended up talking a lot about was that, you know, time spent outside of work is so important because, you know, we, my family lives, my parents live in the same town where the business is. So it's like, I see my parents every day because I drive to work, but like, I was using that almost initially as like, well, now I don't have to like go out of my way to spend time with them. Not that I don't, I love to spend time with them, but like, I wasn't going home on the weekends to see them as much. And we like realize that like that quality time that has nothing to do with work is, mm-hmm. is even more important. Um, and yeah, so, so just figuring out those kinks and it's, it's been, it's been good. Yeah. So you've done a few pivots there. So the landscape for breweries right now, tell me a little bit about that. Cause there's, you know, there's a lot of breweries, particularly in the new England region. There really are. Um, it's, you know, I'm still learning, so much about this field. Like I'm, I'm a novice in the world of beer. Um, but I think what's very apparent, you know, for anyone who starts to spend any type of time in the brewery landscape is that it's such a different field in the sense of it is so driven by community and not just like community with like your patrons, but community with the other breweries around you. Like it's not this competition of like, for some it might be about like who's who's doing the best like who's brewing the best beer who's getting the best untapped ratings it's more like hey this is great we have another brewery opening up three miles down the road now we've expanded our trail and we have this whole pocket of breweries that people are going to want to kind of bounce around from Um, Mm -hmm. and you know the, the collaborations that are always happening like I think it's one of the more collaborative in like within the food and drink industry for sure but I would say even beyond that, because it's just this constant, like, it's a, it's so fun to get to work with these different groups and to share these different projects, you know, and there's, there's multiple collaborative brew days, like throughout the year for so many different things. Like there's the Pink Boot Society, which is a national organization that kind of like celebrates women in the brew industry. So like every International Women's Day, you know, the breweries will brew using the same hops, like but creating fun years and uh in new hampshire there's the new hampshire brewers association and and we do several like the new hampshire beer trail is actually starting soon and so that's like you know as many new hampshire breweries who want to participate you get the same hops and you all craft a different recipe and and the goal is to go and try as many of these beers at these different breweries as possible so the i don't think the brewery field would be as thriving as it is if it weren't for that constant support um from one another And I, you know, that was the thing with COVID was, which is like kind of a double-edged sword, but it was like, we were really frightened because we just didn't know what was going to happen. People weren't going out. Like we had to pivot with our restaurant. Like it it was a wild time and we had just opened the brewery a year prior. Um, But in some ways it helped to like further build that community aspect. Mm -hmm. Um, one, I mean, people were drinking more if we're just being honest, because it was like, we're going to go home. We're going to play cards. We'll have beer. Like that's, that's what we can all do during right. like shutdown. But it was also just like people so 
because we kept our doors open with masks um, so people could come in and buy beer. But it was like people just were craving that human to human interaction so badly. So that was, it was an interesting time where we kind of had expected the worst. And then all of a sudden, you know, we had people who were driving up from Massachusetts once a week because they knew they could come buy beer and like say hi to someone. And isn't Um, that something that you have that they wanted that human interaction? Yeah. 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 And we all were so desperate for it at that point. So it just, we always joke about it, but it's not a joke. Like the brewery literally got us through that really tumultuous time. um, And a lot of different dimensions. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it'll be interesting because there are some there's some challenges coming up just like there are with every field right now, like with different supply shortages and stuff. I feel like if we got through that initial year, like we can get through. You can get through anything. Yeah. And you really make an effort to whenever you can to locally source ingredients. So how do you make those, how do you make those connections? Speaking of supply chain. It's so, you know, it's very, it's been very organic so far. Like when we originally opened it was something we were very much like seeking out like different you know local farms and stuff um which is already tough in itself because you know we're new hampshire is not like a ginormous agricultural state so it's not like you know you have a handful of farms like within a few miles down the road that can give you bountiful supplies like and then of course like just with challenges like this was not a good growing year for crops and stuff obviously like you know so so like i said in the beginning it was we saw it them out a lot but like as we've grown and like spread our community it's these very organic connections that kind of develop like one of our brewers like you know randomly met this man who like produces his own honey and they just got to talking and now you know we use his honey and and all the beer recipes where we're going to use honey and then local orchards and local farms like it's been really cool because I think a lot of times people are just hyped to like have something go into a beer especially so we've been really lucky that there have been a few farms who like had surplus amounts of like peaches like union lake and barrington is one and they've they've just brought them in and be like if you can do something with it cool and you know we brewed like an how amazing- fun is that it's so great and then of course we're like shouting them out like with the beers when we like so it's just been it's been really i think that's been the best part of it is like I said, those organic connections and developments with just these people, like you didn't realize were in your backyard the whole time. I think great ingredients seek out one another too. I, I like that. Yeah. They're drawn like. I'll charge you a royalty for that tagline. <laughs> okay. It works. It works. <laughs> so there's a connection for you, uh, I guess uh, back to high school and the movie, the dead poets society, mm-hmm. making yourself get up in the morning, what I call the alarm clock. I think everyone needs to have the alarm clock and I put it in quotes, right? Some, some higher aspiration. So what's the connection for you there? I, that first, I just, first of all, Robin Williams, I just, that role, especially my high school psychology teacher showed us that film when we were 16 and it just like stuck with me. And every year I would like, you know, play that for my kids. Poetry is hard to get a lot of high school kids into. We had, you know, we'd have to do a unit of it and I'd always pull up that clip in that poem by Whitman um, and read it with the kids and stuff. And it just, I think people forget sometimes that they're in charge of their own lives. You know, there's so many voices coming at them, especially with social media with what it is it's like kids play the comparison game or people I played that we all played the comparison mm-hmm. game to some degree and you know 
I feel like a lot of times life becomes about checking off boxes. Uh, I'm not good at checking off boxes or following a list, but I'm, I feel like I'm good at knowing what calls to me and that, you know, that movie, everything he says in it, it's so much about following what is calling to you and like taking the chance to do what it is you want to do. And I think it can be really easy to settle into complacency because if you're secure, if you're stable, like why would you make a change? But like, if you're also waking up each day and you're tired, like you're not motivated, like you dread things more than you look forward to them. Like that is that obvious sign that like you got to do something for yourself. That's going to like rekindle that, that fire that I think we all have in us. It's just whether or not we tend to it. And when I start to feel that like fire dull out, like it was when I was teaching, I'm trying to listen to it and honor it and, and pursue what it is. that's going to make me feel like I am adding my verse to this like ginormous quilt that is life. So that's a great line though. I I think uh, you, you put it attending to your fire. And I think that's really important to keep first and foremost in your mind because it can get backburnered. Yeah. Work gets crazy. Um, you know, personal life can get crazy. 100%. Fire gets put on, uh, gets put to the, to the back. So uh, what beer, what Northwoods Brewing beer is Sarah drinking these days? It's like trying to pick a child, right? My I know, I'm, like, it's, I'm sorry, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Sarah. There's so many. Um, one project I will say because the beer just came out last, I'm going to talk about a couple of beers because I'm just, I've been giddy about them now for months. Um, but we just, you know, part of my job, like I had said, is I, we, you know, we want to give back as much as possible because we recognize like, it's like with all small businesses, like you exist because you're being supported by your community. So it's important to support the community back. Um, so we try and do you know, several events throughout the year that work with different local nonprofits. So we, you know, always do something with like an animal shelter. We like working with wildlife, which is, you know, why we're so happy to go to that fest um, in Maine. And then, you know, around the holiday season, we really like to try and do something for like local food pantries and and just do what we can. Um, So we had approached you know, Greg in the morning buzz is like a big, a big radio show in New Hampshire. They do a lot, um, starting, you know, all year they raise funds for their nonprofit called Linda helping can, um, which donates and helps to feed families using like 12 other charitable organizations across New England. Mm-hmm. Um, so that seems like, you know, we had to pitch it. Like I had to, you know, present to them about, you know, let's, you know, brew this beer together that we can automatically donate portions of proceeds from, we can put QR codes on the label, just like really try and get people aware of what your organization is doing. So that was like a a five month project. The beer just came out last week. Um, It's a copper ale. It's really nice for the fall. Um, So I want, I do want everyone to check that one out, but I'm very excited too, because yesterday we just um, canned our first apple ale. So it's a a nice ale that we combine with cider and it's kind of just like the perfect little love child of a cider, which we don't produce and beer, which we do produce. So lovely for apple ale. And yeah, it's great for this time of year. Well, as you and I see the leaves falling from the trees, I think that calls to (laughs) bring up a can of some sort. Perfect. I love that. Well, Sarah, it's been great talking with you. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. This is wonderful. We've been talking with Sarah Fernity, the Marketing and Recreational Events Coordinator 
at Northwoods Brewing Company, located in Northwood, New Hampshire. If you want to learn more, or even better, visit the brewery, go to northwoodsbrewingcompany.com. And if you know someone whose business is focused on the art or science of change, or if you know someone who's had a big pivot in their life, I'd love to talk with them. So drop me a note at Deirdre, that's D-E-I-R-D-R-E, at RepivotProject.com. See you next time.